0: We thank you, Lord, for your presence with us tonight in your word. We reverence your word. We want to take hold of your word. We want to live by your word. Help us, Lord, to eat of your word, be nourished and strengthened. We thank you, Lord, for this. Praise your name. There is very rich food today, and I'm still deciding what to preach on. There's too much. so I'm coming down on the prodigal son. Okay? We've got an agreement. Yes. And I want to sort of just focus on three figures: the father, the younger son, and the older son or the older brother. And see the attitudes, because you see, it speaks to us. This is Jesus' ultimate word to us. Who he is, what he's about, why he came, and what he has to offer us. So it's good to ponder it. The father was offended deeply by the son wanting to take inheritance. It was like as if the father had heard the words from his son, I wish you were dead. I want the inheritance now. And even though he was deeply offended, he let the son have his freedom and, and then every day went out waiting for him to return because the Father represents the heart of God, searching out the lost, always waiting for us to turn around and come back. He gives us the freedom to make a mess of our lives if we choose to, but he's always there to draw us back to him if we'll receive the grace to do that. And so when in the distance he sees his son finally returning, he realises inside himself, of course, that his son has fallen on hard times if he's coming back. Uh, And he doesn't hesitate. He forgets his dignity. He's got long robes like I've got on here. Uh, He hitches them up and he runs to the young fellow. he throws his arms around him and kisses him tenderly. This is the mercy of our Father God. This is what he is like, Jesus is saying. This is what Jesus is like because he shows us the way of the Father. He's always waiting for us to return, to come back. And, And did you notice There were no questions, there was no interrogation. How many women? How much money did you spend? What happened to the money? No interrogation. There was no lecture. I told you so to that. No, none of that. Just a welcome home, son. And the party. And he restores him to his dignity. Now he makes sure he's got the ring on his finger, which is the authority of the house again. And and then make sure that he's got sandals on his feet because he uh, lost his dignity because of being with the pigs. And and, and, and the robe, the best robe, the robe of righteousness, if you like, the best robe, the robe that's prepared for for the most important person, He's clothed in that robe. Symbols. But what it's like when God the Father welcomes us home. And the sacrament of reconciliation is like that, is it not? Again and again I've gone to the sacrament feeling so rotten in myself. Feeling so self-condemning and uh, wondering whether I should really be forgiven. But then those merciful words. You know, I absolve you. That gift of absolution and, and the, what freedom that brings. This young man did not deserve to be forgiven. And you'd notice that the father, when he went, he threw his arms around him. Now, the, the kid probably, he'd been with the pigs, so he probably stank. But it didn't matter to the father. He went right into his mess. And that's what it's like when God, God is like that. He goes into our mess. He doesn't hold back aloof and sort of say, you rotter what you've done. No, he goes right into our mess to lift us up and restore our dignity and our worth because we've gone down into a pit. That's what God is like. So the attitude of the father is, of course, it's really the parable of the forgiving father. But then what about the attitude of the younger son? The one who went off and squandered it all on loose living. And then he finds he was full of selfishness. He's like the worst part of ourselves, where we're full of selfishness and and arrogance. And I'll take it what's mine and I'll use it for myself. I'll do it what I want to do. That sort of attitude. And, And then, of course, it all comes unstuck. He finds himself, hiring himself out to work with the pigs. And he can't even eat the husk that the pigs are eating. And he's starving to death. And Now notice what happens. It says he came to his senses. He woke up. You see, sin has a way of clouding the mind. And we go into a sort of a darkness. We can't see things straight. But he has that grace, the beginning of the grace of repentance, where he comes to his senses, he, he thinks back again to his father's house and what it was like there. And he says, I'm, I'm not worthy to go back there, I don't deserve to be uh, a son again, but at least I can be a hired servant. And so he's going back along the road with all this sort of self-recrimination, self-condemnation, Uh, putting himself down, thinking rotten about himself as he dragged himself to his father's house, but at least he can be a hired servant. He's thinking that way. And that's a bit like us too, isn't it? Sin and and the evil one moves in on us and he starts to sort of beat away at us, to tear us down, make us feel rotten about ourselves, make us feel we're loathsome and and helpless and, and, oh, we did it Again. I've fallen into that same habit I've always been in. And, and, and that sort of negative stuff. But you see, God's not like that. The Father represents what God is like. You know, no condemnation. No putting him down at all. Lifting him up. Throwing his arms around him. You can see he was repentant. And that's all that mattered. He wanted to be back in the father's house and didn't think he deserved to be restored to his full dignity. We're a bit like that, aren't we? But he was by God's mercy. So that's the, the younger son, you know. So we, we do have these times because you and I are weak human beings. When some, an arrogance within us or a self-centeredness within us leads us astray Down pathways where we sort of ignore the God's love for us. And we want to sort of have this and have that and make our lives for ourselves. And so we lose God. And we're like that. We're like this younger son. But there's got to be a moment, there's a moment of grace. You see, Paul talks about the second reading. Now he was a, a blasphemer, he says. I was a murderer. I I, I, I killed Christians. Uh, that's what he was like. But then he has his moment of grace. It was mercy, he said. Mercy came upon me. It was shown to me. It's because Jesus Christ meant me to have to be the greatest evidence of his inexhaustible patience. He's so patient with us. He waits patiently for us to return. He pours out his grace upon us, so we'll come back to him, to come back with all our heart, you know, to rending our heart, broken heart, uh, full of uh, uh, a sense of uh, real repentance, asking God for his compassion. It's a beautiful gift, this grace of, of repentance. Uh, and there's more joy in this than anything else. The whole of heaven rejoices, we're told, in all those three parables, uh, when one sinner returns. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one repentant sinner than over 99 have no need of repentance. And I know that's the joy in my own heart when I've repented honestly, when I've really got the stuff out that I needed to get out. A lot of us walk with a sort of a pretense, as it were, as a cover-up job, We sort of come along to mass and all that sort of thing, but there's things in our life that are just not right and they need to be fixed. But how are we going to do it? Repentance, turning back to the Lord with all our heart and knowing he will give us the power, restore us to our rightful place within the Father's house. Let's look at the third figure then, the attitude of the older brother. And this is probably the focus of Jesus when he told the parable, strangely enough. Because it was told to the Pharisees and the scribes who didn't like the fact that Jesus was uh, associating with sinners and eating with sinners and that sort of stuff. They didn't have mercy. That's the problem with the older son. He didn't have that merciful heart of the father. He couldn't appreciate the merciful heart of the father. He was ready to condemn his brother he was ready to put him down he was ready to sort of boot him to uh, in, in the backside or whatever he he didn't have that heart of mercy and it's interesting that because of that and he's coming in from the fields and he hears all the party that's going on because the the father has, has, has killed the fatted calf and they're having this great celebration and it's so exciting uh, But the older brother will not come in. He won't come out of the dark into the light. He shuts himself out from the father's house. In a a state of condemnation. In a state of judgment upon his brother. In a state of, well, uh, also self-righteousness. I've been working all these years and you didn't even uh, kill uh, anything for me. But now you've killed this fatted calf for, for this son of yours. He doesn't even call him my brother. This son of yours, he says to the father, right? So what a sad feature, figure he is. But this is one of the reasons I believe why uh, Pope Francis has called a year of mercy. Because he's saying to us that as a church, sometimes our attitude can be a bit like that of the older brother. That yes, we're sort of good pillars of a church. We come to Mass on Sunday and things like that. But we look down our nose at people who are hopeless sinners. People who can't put their lives together very well. Not welcoming and and that sort of thing, but full of judgment. So it's good that we look at this figure of the uh, older brother. and, And... It's interesting, the father comes out and he says to him, Oh, my son, that's like my dearest one. You know, uh, everything I have is yours. You've been with me all this time. Everything I have is yours. But I must celebrate because your brother has come back. You know, he, he was lost and now he's found. And so we need to, if there is something of the older brother's attitude in us, and it's good to acknowledge it and to see where we can be very judgmental of others and hold them in disdain because of the particular life they're living, which is sort of away from God, or it's not according to the, the values that we would like to have. And so we can sort of be condemning of people like that. But that's precisely why Jesus told the parable so that we have the father's heart The Father's heart of mercy and not be self-righteous in this sort of way. know, living according to the law, but not by grace, not understanding what mercy really is. So we look at all these three of these figures, huh? But the key of it all, of course, is the Father's mercy. This is the year of mercy. This is the year when we celebrate the grace of God coming upon us. There's no one here who can say, you're here in this church because of your good works. You're here because of the grace of God. You're here because of the mercy of God. That's the truth I know of my own life. the further I go in my life, I know how true it is, that it's only by mercy. You know? uh, out of the depths I cried, to you, O Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleading. If you, O Lord, should mark our guilt, Lord, who would survive? But with you is found forgiveness. We would not survive if, if the Lord marked our guilt, if he counted our guilt against us and held things against us. We'd be smitten from the face of the earth because all of us have hidden areas of our life that are not quite right. But he's full of mercy and he wants to heal us and set us free, bring us to new life in him, strengthen us to live the journey in the Father's house. So let's not shut ourselves out from the Father's house like that self-righteous brother. Let's have a truly repentant heart Let's have a, an attitude of mercy, too, that comes from that. What I've found actually in my own life uh, is that the further I've gone, the more I've realized my own personal sinfulness and my own proneness to sin. But what's happened with then is that as I've become more reliant upon the mercy of God, I've found that I've become more compassionate towards others. Prior to that, as a young priest, I was a bit judgmental and hard on people in the confessional. Uh, Turning it into a torture chamber, as the (laughs) Pope says. But the more we go on in life, the more we realize our own capacity to sin, our own uh, weaknesses, uh, and and how inside of each one of us, there's sort of like a, a fault line, as it were, you know those fault lines in geology, isn't it? Where yes, a searing goes on, and then all of a sudden there's a big eruption. And that can happen. Peter had one of those, didn't he? He had a fault line. He didn't know he had it. Jesus knew it. And sure enough, it came out. And that was the making of him, though, when he realized that. Similar experience in my own personal life, where becoming come into touch with the fault lines, come into touch with the brokenness, the weakness. Uh, come into touch with my proneness to sin. Uh, But then what's happened out of that is that the heart's full of mercy for others. Uh, I'm, I'm not harsh like I used to be, maybe. I'm not demanding like I used to be because I can see my own life and how I'm only here because of the grace of God. And bless his name.